this morning we have come to diligently seek you from the depths of our hearts. We surrender, O oh God Almighty, to you. We pray, Holy God, that you will see us from the eyes, O oh God, that you saw us through the cross and called us to be your children. That today, Lord, the blood of Jesus Christ will wash us afresh, cleanse us, even as we cleanse ourselves physically to be in church this morning. We pray that spiritually, emotionally, mentally, as we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, there shall be a cleansing, a renewing. There shall be, O oh God Almighty, a resetting. That, Father, from this moment, as we connect with you and with your Holy Spirit, our lives will be transformed. Lord, we pray that every moment of this worship, the Lord, you will reveal yourself to us. Every moment, O oh God, of this fellowship, that you will speak to us, speak to our hearts. Forgive us, O oh Lord Almighty. For when we have disobeyed your word, forgive us, Lord Almighty, for when we have gone against your directives. Lord, we pray this morning that as we stand before you and lift up hands, there will be holy hands before you. That there will be hands, O oh God Almighty, that you will grab and guide and take with you on this journey. We praise you and we honor you, O God. And we commit everything into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Psalm 40, verses 1 to 5. Okay, so the psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Amen. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there will be too many to declare. Hallelujah. It's amazing. It's amazing. If we were to declare the goodness of God, the works of God, the visitations of God, I think we have one of them today. And if you have a testimony, you will have time to share it today. So, get prepared. The, uh, the first reading this morning is from Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. The words of Jeremiah son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, 
son of Ammon, king of Judea. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. Today, see today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And the second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. This is my command, love each other. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. This morning, I was thinking again about our theme for the year where God says, be fruitful and multiply. And last Sunday, I drew our attention to John chapter 15, verse 16 again, where Jesus was talking about himself and his disciples in saying, I chose you. In the olden days, you know, the teachers of the law had disciples. They had people who followed them. And quite often, it was the students who went out looking for 
the teacher or the master that they want to follow. And they will apply. It's a school. They will apply to be enrolled under that teacher. Paul tells us his teacher was Gamaliel, a man who knew the law. And so Paul grew up learning from Gamaliel, and he became also very good with the law. And in fact, when he was speaking of his experience, he said, if there's anyone who wants to boast of the law, that he is number one. But what has he done? He's left everything else behind because he wants to know Jesus. Because the law had lost its power. The law could not save. The law was like a school teacher showing people to God, you know, directing people to God. But God decided now to come by himself. That's why we have Christmas. And so he came, and when Jesus came, there were some people who came to him and said, I want to follow you, Master. <laughs> he said, foxes have holes, dens, and birds of the air have what? Their nests. But the Son of Man has no place. In case you're looking at me and thinking, hey, this man is a celebrity teacher. Everyone in the whole world is following after him. There must be something. Where he lives must be special. But Jesus said, no, that's not like that. And there were some people that Jesus actually called, and they gave him excuses. One person said, well, you see, I want to go and bury my father. Now, we weren't told that his father was dead yet. It could be. It probably wasn't, but it was a tradition that the first son particularly had the responsibility of ensuring that the dad had the best of funerals. But if that was his greatest desire, how would it match with following the Lord? Because the Lord was going to be going here and there and everywhere, taking the word of God. What distraction was it going to be that the first, it's not as if the Lord was saying, don't care for your parents. Now let's be very, very sure about that. Because the Lord thought about children being a blessing, children respecting their parents, and parents loving their children. So, what was here was the fact that there was the Lord who had people in mind who were going to carry out this mission and ministry with him. And so he went out like the man who came to my neighborhood. He saw someone who was a tax collector, Matthew, and said, follow me. And Matthew left everything immediately and followed Jesus. He went to the seaside and saw people who were struggling to catch fish. And after he used the boat to preach to the crowd who had gathered, he told them, all right now, go back there, throw your nets to the right side of the boat. And they were protesting. They said, what are you talking about? Now, if anyone should tell fishermen how to fish, 
it should be an expert fisherman. But if by trade, physically, Jesus brought up as a carpenter's son, what would a carpenter be telling the fisherman? And so you could see their own reaction. We've done this all night. This is our trade, and nothing has happened. Jesus said to them, right side of the boat. And of course, they cast the net. Whoa, where did all the fishes come from? They caught so much fish that they were really not able to even load their boat. They had to call for help. And that is how two brothers and another friend said, this is more than we ever thought about. And they went after Jesus. And Jesus appointed. The word appointment here goes with choice. It goes with election. Now, today we're going a bit more theological. Let me see if I could actually um, project something here that will help you to see and know what I'm talking about in terms of election. Because across the world, when leaders are being appointed, they are elected by the people if it's a democracy. If it's not a democracy, they either appoint themselves or they succeed a ruler. And that's why we have like the monarchy. The monarchy is not by election. You don't elect who is going to be the next king. When we lost by death Queen Elizabeth, the, it was very clear who was going to be the king, wasn't it? We knew who was going to be the king. You, you may not have loved him, okay, but that wasn't going to change anything because you had no choice to decide who was going to be the next regiment. So it was important for us to realize if it is about the prime minister, yeah, elections come. Now every four or five years, there is an election, and then we have to decide, I think we've had enough of this party, we want the next party. And after they have also done their own bit, after a few years, they say, okay, I think the other ones were better. So we move from one party to another party, back and forth. But when it has to do with the monarchy, it is not really what you have any decision, whether it is... Um, so... If you don't mind, Vanessa, switching over to this front. Um, good, very good. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever heard about the five points of Calvinism. Anyone here? Yeah, thank you very much. Well, Calvin will both hear about the five points of Calvinism. <laughs> thank you very much, Calvin. <laughs> now, when the church came to a point in history when it became clear that people were beginning to follow traditions 
instead of actually following God by faith, there were people like Martin Luther, not, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, the German priest, who revolted and said to the church at the time, no, we can't earn salvation by people coming to pay money. Salvation is by faith in So, the Reformation was built on faith alone, Christ alone, God alone, you know, grace alone. That was the other one, the grace of God. So, salvation did not come. Now, John Calvin lived in Switzerland. That's a Frenchman. He lived in Switzerland. And God gave him this revelation. And he began to put this together in a, sense, in a way that made sense. And he came up with that acronym TULIP. So you can see T-U-L-I-P. You know, it's quite, you know, not all the time, as you know, that I'll go a bit more theological. But I thought today, let's, let's delve in a bit. Let's not just be on the surface all the time. So, he came up with this acronym TULIP. And TULIP meant what? Total deprivation, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and the perseverance of the saints. Now, what does this mean? I'm just going to give a very quick, you know, run through. And then maybe we will zero in on just one for today and finish. Now, these five points of Calvinism, which is the Reformed theology put together, tells us that by the fall of humanity, okay, we couldn't actually end salvation with God. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have done what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So no human being could save themselves. And that meant that here, God's grace, this unconditional election is to say, God does not put any condition before you. God has opened his hands like the father of the prodigal son saw his son who had wasted everything, and yet he ran out to embrace him, to receive him. So that is unconditional grace. You couldn't say which was what the church was doing at that time. If you did anything and you went to the priest and confessed, he would say, okay, tomorrow morning you're going to pay 100 pounds and your sins will be forgiven. <laughs> Or he will tell you, you have to crawl from here to Asda and back to the church. And I will bless you and your sins will be forgiven. So different ways, they were more or less making salvation what it was not. Then number three, limited atonement. Now, this is a bit tricky because Jesus died for everyone. So how can we be talking about limited atonement? Does it mean that you know, the blood of Christ could not wash away any particular sinner. No, that's not what it means. 
Jesus says, many were called, but few are what? Chosen. Now again, that's a bit confusing still. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 16. What does it say again? For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, now that is the important thing there. God loves the whole world, you and I, every one of us, that he gave his son for our salvation. But then there is a whosoever, because God does not force anyone to believe in Christ. God does not say, if you don't, well, it's your choice. So, that is where it is, that if you decide to stay away, I mean, a, a good number of us who drive, sometimes you don't know where you're going, you key in the sat-nav, and the sat-nav is already keyed in. If you follow, it will take you to where you're going. Now, the sat-nav is not as good as the Lord Jesus Christ is, so... We're just using this as, a, you know, illustration to show that when you're driving with a sat-nav directing you, you could come to a point where you feel, well, I know the way already. I could do it. I mean, I've driven sometimes to places I've known, and I didn't need the sat-nav. But other times, I have thought I didn't need it, and then suddenly I say, hmm, I think I need to park and begin to put in this, you know, location again, so that I could get there. So, it's important for us to know that God has designed and made a place. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am there, you will be also. And so, he has already prepared a place for us. It is a shame for anyone to turn away from Jesus to turn away from the salvation God has given us. That's why some people are actually missing it. Then number four is irresistible grace. God's grace is really open to all. And God is saying, look, I have just given you this free. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay for it. And so it is irresistible. But again... It doesn't take away the free will that God has put in you and I. God created us with what? Free will. So, even though someone might prepare a very wonderful meal, it is really up to you to decide, do I want to have this meal or not? It's really you know, for you to see, does it really go with my tummy? And then, finally, the perseverance of the saints. The Lord is going to see each and every one of us through the journey. Through the journey, if only we hold on to him. He is able to lead us. So when the Lord says, I chose you, I chose you, is that, you know, God's sovereignty. God decided, I am choosing you. Amen. I am choosing you. You are special to me. If God chose you, it's because you are what? Special. Now, is this still working? Seem to have frozen. <laughs> no, 
under someone and say, many are called, but few are frozen. <laughs> okay, let me see. What's going on here? It's, um, okay, good. So, we then have that unconditional election, which is to say, God's sovereign grace reaching out to us, the grace that we didn't merit. And Jesus said, now, it's important for us to realize what Jesus did with people like Judas. Judas was someone who we are told about his life and the way he actually served. That even though he was holding the purse, he was actually from time to time dipping his hand into the purse. Jesus still knew that and still made him his what? His disciple. So Jesus had all kinds of people, even those who would say to him, Lord, these people, I have a knife, let me cut off. Even before Jesus would speak, they have cut off the person's ear when they came to arrest Jesus in the final days. And what did Jesus do? He picked it and said, come on, don't do this. And he healed the ear. So, that is really the grace of God that we don't merit the favor that God is showing you and I. And in doing that, someone wrote something. The whole dictionary of Bible themes. It says, those chosen by God, the elect are those chosen by God, entirely of his grace for the special privilege of experiencing salvation. That's the reason why God chose us. That's the reason why you were called by God. Why? So that you can experience the salvation of God. That is the basic. But there's not much more that comes with the salvation of God. There's much more. There is the relationship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit that daily, being a child of God, you experience the power of God. The Holy Spirit is really igniting in your heart. There is the aspect of God answering your prayer. There is the aspect of God walking with you through challenges and difficulties. That is really what the choice of God of you is. Now there is something that God did in, you know, Deuteronomy, God said, I choose you, was talking about Israel, because the choice we have stems from God's choice of Israel. God said in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9, for you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people. His treasured possession. His what? Treasured possession. That's very, very important. No wonder in First Peter we are told we are what? A chosen generation. So both from the Old Testament and in the New Testament, there is convergence in the fact that when God has chosen us, we are special to him. So he says, you are my treasured possession. You are a holy nation, a peculiar people, people who are special to him. Amen. Now, whenever the enemy wants to make you feel 
You are a nobody. Tell the devil, I'm special to God. Amen. You're special to God. And that's what sets you apart. So, Jesus said, I called you that you may do what? Bear fruit. Fruit that will do what? Remain. You did not choose me. That's John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me. Yes, we have a choice. But the fact is, first of all, God chose us. No wonder in Jeremiah says, I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you. You are special. God is saying, whatever it is that is out there in the world, I knew you before I created you. Before you were born into this world, God said, I had already a plan for you. That's why he says, the plan I have for you is for good and not for what? For evil. You see, sometimes we claim some of these Bible promises without going into where these are all coming from. When you understand where it's coming from, it makes more meaning to you. You are not just regurgitating what you have heard or somebody has said to you, but because you now know that you are special to God, that word, I knew you, makes so much more meaning. And when Jesus said, I chose you, that you will bear fruit, and fruit that will do what? Remain fruit that will last. And I pray today, God will give us understanding because a lot of times, Christians, you know, we had a meeting the other time with Andy Swilly, the Synod uh, Training Development Officer. And he repeated something that I had said some time ago, that some Christians are consumerist Christians. They only come to church because of what they believe they want to get from God. That's consumerism. If you're coming to worship God, let your heart be tuned to God. It's all about him. And sometimes some believers will give conditions. Come on. The Lord called you even when he knew your inadequacies. So who are you to give God conditions? God, if you don't do this, I will not do that. That's silly for any Christian to do. We come to God in total surrender and say, God, here I am, as we sang earlier. Here I am to worship. Here I am. I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether worthy, altogether lovely, altogether wonderful to me. That's who it is. And the moment you and I hold on to that, even our service for God will be without any reservation. If God elected us unconditionally, who am I to begin to give God conditions? I should say, God, here am I. What do you want me to do in this church? God, where do you want me to serve? I will serve. Wow. There are people who are giving their life for the gospel. That's not what God is asking you and I to do. God is only asking you, can you time to serve? Can you spare a moment to pray? Can you be close to me? I want you to be my friend. That's what God is saying. And this year 2023, we must go a step higher in our relationship with God. Amen.
Very, very important. So number one, discover why he called you. Even in serving God. Number two, take your place. If you don't take your place, it will be there. And after a while, God will replace you. You know, they say nature abhors what? Vacuum. And when God continues to call on someone to do something and they refuse, God will call someone else to do it because God's work must be done. And number three, go and do it. That's why I say go do. <laughs> Not just go, but go and do. Go and do. That's why Jesus in his last word says, I'm sending you out into the world. Go and make disciples of all nations. Amen. Go and make disciples. I'm so glad for the men of this church. Yesterday morning, we had a fantastic, you know, breakfast meeting. It was amazing. Those of you who are not there, you missed something. Those of us who were there, we really had some good time. I hope the next one, you'll be able to make it. And very soon, I hope our women will have their own breakfast very, very soon. Amen. You know, we need to build fellowship and friendship. That's what the church is all about. So when I'm praying to say, God, I would like you to do this for me. I'm not placing any condition because God is sovereign. And God is always at work. Amen. Jesus said, I chose you. Lord, we can just see ourselves in the crowd and you reached out and picked us out of the crowd and so Lord we surrender to you and Father such grace such love no words can explain and so Lord I commit this whole congregation into your hands you see Lord with what we don't see the very secrets, Lord, of our lives. You see the challenges, O oh God Almighty, that some may be bearing at this time and encountering. So, Father, Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we pray against every sickness and disease. In the name of Jesus Christ, we plead the blood of Jesus over every circumstance, over every situation, we break the hold of the enemy because he's already defeated. Lord, we rejoice in your victory for us. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You say we shall tread upon serpents and upon scorpions and upon all the powers of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt us. So Lord, we tread upon the enemy today. We, we declare our victory over every power of wickedness. We go into this week with victory. We go into this week with peace. We go into this week in your presence. And we receive, O oh God, all that you have prepared for us. And so, Lord, we stand in this victory and we see your glory shining over us. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Now into God's safe hands we commit you.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord God Almighty lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. And this I release upon you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And let the people of God say, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.